Well, good morning. We do really desire that you not just come into a room on a Sunday morning and worship in song or uh, listen to the scriptures be taught and grow. We want you to, outside of this setting, be able to connect with a small group of folks where you might grow in Christ together. And so we call them family groups here. If you're not in one, as John said, we encourage you to to join one. If you're newly married and here at the chapel, my wife Jackie and I help lead a group for newly married. So if you're newly married and not in a group, grab me after the service and we'd love to fold you into our family group. You can simply come try it out. And if you don't like us, getting a long line of folks who tried it out and didn't join us, but you might and, and join us. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, let me invite you to turn to First Thessalonians with me right now. And as you turn to First Thessalonians chapter 1, let me ask you probably a, a basic question. How many of you have had pizza delivered to your house? See your hands? Uh, wow, there's some of you who have not had pizza ever delivered to your house? Are you like American or what? Come on. It seems, and it's not rocket science, is it? It seems like it gets complicated because of how often it gets messed up. But, but when you order pizza to your house, when you get pizza delivered, what do you want? Well, yeah, you want pizza. And you want the pizza that you ordered, not the pizza that somebody else ordered and they got it mixed up. That's happened, right? So you want the pizza that you ordered, you want it hot, and you'd like it. Yeah, now, like sometime within the evening you ordered it. Beyond that, it's pretty basic. You want it hot, what you ordered, and timely. So it's not rocket science, pizza delivery. I bring that up because sometimes we make gospel delivery rocket science. We make it more complicated than it really is. So much so that lots of folks go, oh, I could never do that. I could never deliver the gospel. That's for a select, educated, and trained few. And actually, I don't believe that's true at all. I hope by the time you walk out of service this morning, you'll go, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I can do gospel delivery. It's not rocket science. So in 1 Thessalonians 1, we spent three weeks in verse 3. This morning, we're going to move on to verses 4 and 5 because Paul is going to there declare what gospel delivery looked like in that city. It wasn't rocket science, but it did have some crucial elements like pizza delivery has some crucial elements. So let's look briefly at four and we'll really focus in on verse five. First Thessalonians one, verse four and five read like this. Knowing brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you for our gospel did not come to you in word only. See, this is the delivery. It did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So when it comes to simple gospel delivery essentials, the first is it's got to come with words. Now he says in verse 5, it wasn't words only, but by saying words only, not words only, he is saying it is in words, right? The gospel is a message, and for that message to be declared, it must be in words. Those words may be in the form of written words or spoken words, or even as we've done this morning, sung words, but 
the gospel is a message that requires what? Words. So, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but this statement preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Ever heard that before? Yeah? Okay, what book in the Bible is that from? Okay, that's not in the Bible. Uh, let me tell you why it's not in the Bible. Because it's no good. I, I get the idea that the author is simply saying that our lives should not contradict the gospel. But to say when necessary, use words. If you're going to preach, it's always going to require words. Imagine me getting up here this morning for the full 40 minutes and never speaking a word to you. I really, I've wondered, how long would they sit until they left? If you endured the full 40 minutes that I stood here and looked at you, maybe did a pantomime or two, but looked at you and never spoke a word, if you endured, you wouldn't be back next week. And I can only imagine the words I would get back to me. You expect me to give you words, yes? Yes. And to say, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm all, I deliver the gospel at work. All the, I mean, I've never talked about it. That's craziness. So a, a, actually a fairly potentially convicting message for a question for some of you right now is this. When's the last time you spoke the words of the gospel to someone? Not it to your church friends at Family Group, but to someone who did not know the gospel and you spoke words to them. Not words about church, not a debate about creation versus evolution, not about the sanctity of human life, but you spoke the words of the gospel to them. You didn't stand on a stage and preach it to them, but maybe you sat across the table over a cup of coffee and you talked the words of the gospel to them. Can you remember? Uh, some of you, this might really stretch you. And if it's really stretching, you go, hey, when did I really actually ever talk to someone about the gospel? That should cause you to go, whoa, maybe I've lost my way here. Maybe I've believed something that is in the Bible. Maybe I've taken this mindset of you just live your life. And you don't need to speak words. You know what? If you live a great life but never speak words of the gospel, then your neighbors, your co-workers can attribute your niceness, your kindness to who knows what. Whatever actually makes sense to, to them. Wherever they think kindness and niceness comes from. So, uh, Christian Family Chapel, you need to hear what the word of God really does say. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Promise is that a promise? Yeah, that's, a, that's one of the greatest promises of the Bible. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So key questions. How will they call on him whom they not believed? And how will they believe in whom they have not heard? So to hear it, you have to have someone who spoke it or sang it or wrote it down. And they read it and so they heard it. It requires speaking. It's as basic as what he says in verse 17. 
Faith comes from hearing. Hearing the word of Christ. It requires someone, if we're going to deliver the gospel, it requires someone to speak. In fact, I would suggest to you this. To say you're delivering the gospel but never using words is to say you deliver pizza boxes with no pizza in it. That would tick you off, wouldn't it? That'd make you make a phone call in a hurry. That guy brought me two empty boxes. Oh, we just thought the boxes would be all you need. That wasn't good enough. Take a whiff. They smell pretty good. That's ridiculous. No more ridiculous than going, hey, I, I preach the gospel all the time, but I never actually talk about it. To share the gospel requires words. It requires words. We, we have to, faith comes from hearing. So let, let's not make it long periods of time between when we actually speak the truth of the gospel. Can I encourage you? Share the gospel. Share it. Declare it. You have no idea how God may use it. Here's what we've learned thus far this year. We've been praying this in 2019. I hope you've been praying with us. We've been very intent. Father, by your grace and power, would at least 110 more people believe and be baptized in Jesus this, this year? Those are words we've been speaking to the Father. Those are prayers. And I invite you again, if, if that's fallen off the table and you're thinking and you're praying, bring it back on, please. Let's be asking the Lord because people are not saved apart, as we'll see, apart from the Lord working. So let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. But folks, to pray about it, to use words to God, but then never to speak to other folks, how are they going to believe if they don't hear? How are they going to hear if we don't speak it to them? You with me? So here's the encouragement. As we have been more deliberate about speaking the gospel, that's not living out the gospel, but more deliberate about speaking the gospel this year, thus far, we've been blessed with 34 new professions of faith through this body thus far, January, February, March. Super, super grateful. I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord. Those are folks who didn't know Jesus who believe. And maybe you're going, wow, and that was without me, actually. I never actually did speak the gospel to anybody in the, this year. I'm, I'm sure that's quite possible for many of you. You have not spoken the gospel to anybody this year. Imagine if you simply said, this is not rocket science. It's like pizza delivery. I just need to. Get it there. <laughs> Imagine if really 1,100 of us who regularly attend here said, I'm going to speak the gospel. I don't know what the Lord would do with that number. But I'm confident more would believe if more would speak. Confident. So, not only join us in the prayer, join us in the proclaiming of the gospel, of declaring it. So, of that, 34 new professions of faith, 
We've had nine baptisms so far. So what's that tell you? Tells you heat up the hot tub. That's what it tells me. Uh, that, that there are folks who have believed and not been baptized. And that may be true for you. Maybe you believed in the past, but you have never obeyed the New Testament and been baptized. Not because baptism saves you, but because Jesus says that they are to proclaim the gospel and baptize folks. There's that public outward expression of what happens inwardly to a person when they believe. So you may have believed but not been baptized. That would be an important step of obedience for you. So continue to speak to the Father about it and let's continue to do what Paul did in Thessalonica. It came in words. But he says not words only. For our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power. So it's a gospel delivered with words, and it's a gospel delivered in power. So to, to deliver pizza, but only in boxes, is to deliver the gospel without speaking words. So we got to speak words. But what type of pizza did you want to get? You wanted to get it hot. So we want to deliver the gospel with power. So, so how do you deliver the gospel with power? Is it the words that you use? And, and is it Jesus? Is that how you, is that to, you learn to say that? Can you say that with me? Jesus. You can't, you can't do that? Because that's how people get saved when you say it that way. Because if you just say Jesus, they don't. No, come on. Is that, is that spoken in power? No, if I say Jesus like that, then you come up and slap me right away. Because we need to stop that jump. That's just not real. That's not what he's talking about. What, what type of power is he talking about? <laughs> you will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, this was spoken to the apostles at Pentecost. Jesus said, it's to your advantage if I go away. Because if I go away, I'll send the helper. But when in our day, in 2019, when does the Holy Spirit come upon a person? The, the moment they trust in Jesus to be there forgiver and their leader when they repent and believe in Jesus the scripture says then they are baptized in the spirit the spirit of God is poured out into their hearts as a guarantee of their inheritance in the saints so the moment you believe in Jesus you get power by the Holy Spirit for what purpose and you shall be my witnesses See, uh, if you're going, man, I haven't been speaking the gospel, then you have been given power for which you are not using it. The power of the Holy Spirit is in you for witnessing. It's for declaring the gospel. And this is the answer for so many of us who feel like, I just don't sense any power of God in my life. Well, it's not, if you are genuinely born again, it's not because he isn't present. It's because you are not engaged in that which for which power has been given to declare the truth of the gospel, whether at your work, whether in your neighborhood, whether it's the people you run with or ride bike with, whoever that you are engaged with who has not yet heard and believed, God has given you power for witnessing. 
That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the way Paul said it when he went to the city in Corinth. He said this was true in Thessalonica and it was true in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 2 says this. And when I came to you, brethren, so when I went to Corinth, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. So it wasn't superior. It wasn't great speech. It wasn't that I was the smartest. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. See, the equivalent of this, it would be, when someone delivers pizza to your house, do you really care what car they drove there? I don't think. In fact, if they show up in a BMW, you may go, hey, what's going on here? You, you don't really care if it's a car truck. You don't care what's colored. You don't care if it's clean. You don't care if it's fancy, right? Because it's not about the car that they brought. It's not even about the box. It's about the pizza. Is it on time and is it hot? But you and I... Think all the time about ourselves when it comes to delivering the gospel. We think, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not persuasive enough. My, my logic and I get confused. And, ah, I'm not very eloquent. And you think all about the pizza delivery's car. And we just need to stop and go, it doesn't matter. I've not been a believer. I've never taken a class. I don't have a degree. Praise the Lord. Because you know what? Paul said, it wasn't any of those things. It was a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Because the power comes from the spirit. And, and you know the beauty of that? He says, verse 5, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So that you wouldn't go, oh man, I believe because of the delivery. No, I don't believe because of the car or even the box. I believe because of the content. And that content is something I heard and I heard it delivered in the power of the Spirit. Here's the beauty. That's not a power you need to work up, cajole up. It's the power that you have if you have believed. When you speak the gospel as a believer, you speak in power. So you're afraid that it won't be powerful. You're focused on yourself. Can you just agree with me this morning? I need to stop that. I need to stop thinking about me. And believe the promise of God. The spirit of God is in me with power. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's not about the delivery boy or the delivery boy's car. All right? For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Now that seems a little strange because he's saying here, the gospel delivered with words, the gospel delivered in power, and then the gospel delivered by the Holy Spirit. I thought the Holy Spirit was the power. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers the speaker. But what he's saying here, as you write this down, don't miss this, that it is the Holy Spirit in power in the speaker, but it also has to be delivered by the Holy Spirit to the to the hearer, to the receiver. 
You see, uh, I can, believing that Spirit's God, uh, the Spirit of God is in me, proclaim the gospel to you this morning. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will do it in power. But I'm totally dependent on the Holy Spirit to be involved in your life, your heart this morning, if you're going to receive it. Here's the picture that the Corinthians, that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, can you picture that bride with the, with the veil so you can't see the face? Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. So who can't see it? Those who can't see it are only those who have not believed. You may go, well, they didn't believe because they can't see it. They're blind. How can they believe in something they're blind to? Why are they blind? He goes on, next verse, verse 4. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that, might they, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So who has blinded them? Satan has blinded them. The devil has blinded them. I don't know if you understand this, but every single one of us we're born blind. The gospel veiled to us. We couldn't see it. We couldn't see it because we were born dead in our sins. And we have a very real enemy who did not want us to see it. He blinded us to us. So what happens? How do blind people see? He goes on. Next verse. Verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, see, it's, it's not in us. It's not that I have to help you see. But, we, but Christ Jesus Lord. And ourselves is your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Uh, when did he first say that? In Genesis. In the beginning was God. Right? And the earth was formless and void. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. They went from darkness to light. Well, what in the world does Genesis and creation have to do with being blind to the gospel now? Here's what he says. God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In other words, for every single person, there is a blindness to the gospel until God said, let there be light. And he turned the light on so that you could see. You weren't smart enough and you figured it out and other people didn't figure it out. It was only by the work of the Holy Spirit as you heard what somebody spoke that you believed. Right? It was only by... The grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, working in the unbeliever who is hearing but blind. And God says to let there be light. And there was light. And some of us forget that. We think, no, I've just always been pretty good. No, you, you were blind and then God said, let there be light. Can you remember when that happened in your life? See, it's so clear to me. I heard words, 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 and then I heard words. 
Finally, someone spoke it in power. No. They had been spoken in power plenty of times because believers indwelt by the Spirit had spoken the gospel, spoken the gospel, spoken the gospel. There was just one point in my life where God said, let there be light. And he turned on the light. And I went, I've never heard this before. Ever had that sense? Wow. Whew. And a bunch of tears streaming down my face because I had my face. Yes, my face. Because... I'd heard words that I'd heard before, but I'd heard them in a way that I'd never heard them before. And I can only tell you this. It had been veiled, and God said, let there be light in Doug's heart. He flipped the switch. So Paul says, I went to Thessalonica, and I proclaimed the gospel in words with power. By the Holy Spirit. Uh, do you know how we know that? Go to verse 4. We, we ran by it quickly. I want to come back to it now. Verse 4. We've been studying verse 5 word by word, adding a, a phrase each time. But do you notice how he started this in verse 4? Knowing brethren, beloved by God, his, his choice of you. You understand, Paul went to Thessalonica and he put in words the gospel in power. And some people heard it and believed and some people didn't. Some people God said, let there be light, let there be light, let there be light, let there be light. And others it remained veiled for. Here's what's funny. When Paul went, to the, went there, did he know who God was going to flip the switch for and who God wasn't going to? Did he know? No. He went believing that if he proclaimed that God would flip, would flip the switch for some. And some of us have predetermined who God is going to flip the switch for. There's people at your work or you're going, they're crazy. They're just too far. They are way out. God, I mean, talking about blind, there's like not a veil. There's a wall. And so you've thought, it's a waste for you to speak the gospel to them. You need to stop that. I need to stop that. I need to stop determining where God is going to work and where he's not going to work. I need to believe that if I will put in words by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in me, the truth of the gospel, then it's up to him whether he flips the switch on or he doesn't. That's, that is both incredible joy and incredible release. Do you know how much pressure it is to go, I've got to get them to believe. I don't care if God's going to turn that. I'm just going to kick the door down, choke them until they believe. Or hey, that's just so much pressure, so then I can't, so I don't say anything. You see what happens in our heart? It's just crazy. It's how crazy that our enemy convinces us not to speak. Or how we think we need to speak. Put in words. Believing the power of the Holy Spirit. Trusting that if the Lord wants to say, let there be light, I don't care how dark it was. Or how dark it is. Or how far gone. Or how crazy. Or how whacked out. If God wants to turn on the light, he can. Start looking around for, hey, it looks like a lot of light here. Maybe I'll just flip a little switch here. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
This is why, friends, we give ourselves to praying. Not only that we would do what we're called to do, speak, but that God would do what we totally need him to do, and that is flip on the lights to say, let there be light. Who are you praying for? God, turn on the light. God, turn on the light. God, turn on the light. We prayed like, we prayed like mad this past two weeks that God would turn on the light in middle school Wednesday night when the gospel was going to be proclaimed. And almost, I think it was 10, just less than a dozen junior high kids walked up in front of everybody else and wrote their name on a board saying, tonight I believe in Jesus. Hey, that's the power of God. They heard words that probably that they had heard before, but they heard them because God said, let there be light. So would you pray with us? Would you speak? Believing the Spirit is the one who brings the power, not you. It's not learning the magic formula or saying the magic words. It's just saying the words of believing the power of the Spirit and asking him to work in the receiver as you're trusting him as he's done it in your own life as well. So, final ingredient. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Now, I don't, mean, I don't think he means with the conviction of, I'm saying it to you like I believe it. I believe he believes it. I think he's saying this with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sakes. In other words, with the full conviction, my life backed up, supported my message. See what I'm saying? The full conviction is when you, listen, can I have your eyes? When you share the gospel with somebody, it's almost inevitable that they're going to think about your life and whether your life reinforces the words you're saying or undermines the words you're saying. Hopefully this has never happened to you, but maybe sometime a guy showed up at your door with pizza and going, Here's your pizza. And you're like, uh, what toppings did you just add to my pizza? So they can deliver it in a way that, that you're like, oh, man. Or they can deliver it in a way that you're going, well, it doesn't change the truth, but I kind of lost my appetite. See what I'm saying? Your life can increase. It can increase appetite for the gospel. Or it can decrease the appetite for the gospel. All he's simply saying is, I brought it to you in words, the power of the Spirit in me towards you, believing the Holy Spirit at work in you as the receiver, and the reality that as you watched my life lived out on the streets of Thessalonica, I was the real deal. So what it comes down to, are you the real deal? Are you the real deal? So that when people hear the words, they're not inclined to dismiss them because of how you live. It is the gospel delivered with the full conviction of a life of integrity. 
the gospel delivered with the full conviction of a life of integrity. Now, as you write that down, let me make a confession to you. I have talked a lot about the delivery of the gospel, but what have I not spoken to yet? The gospel. I've talked about about taking it. I haven't talked about the gospel. So let's clarify. When we talk about delivering the gospel in words, in power, by the Holy Spirit with full conviction, what are we delivering? We are delivering a free gift from God. We're delivering God's free gift. And it's a free gift of forgiveness. This is what we're delivering. A free gift of God of forgiveness. And it's a forgiveness of my sin. My, it's, it's forgiveness for how I have failed to live according to God's perfect and holy standard. And it's forgiveness for how I have failed in my past, how I am failing in my present, and a forgiveness of how I will fail in the future. The gospel is forgiveness. God's free gift of it. Past, present, and future. That's what's in the box, if you will. But it just doesn't stop there. It's not only a forgiveness, it's a free gift of new life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's a new life, both abundant new life and eternal new life. That's the gospel. That's what's in the box. That's what we're delivering in words, in power, by the Holy Spirit with full conviction that it's a free gift of God, of forgiveness for new life, abundant and eternal. Now, you ever notice when somebody delivers something to you, there's that transition moment where they offer it to you and then you you take it in the big red carrier. They give it to you. You receive it. So we not only need to know what the gospel is, but how do you receive it? Well... It's to all who will receive the gospel. It's to all who will receive it by repenting. That is a biblical word that means change your mind. To change your mind about yourself. Either that you don't have a need for forgiveness because you haven't sinned that much. Or change a mind about yourself that in spite of all the sin that has filled your life, you still can be forgiven. Or it's a change of mind about Jesus. That he wasn't just a good teacher. He literally paid the penalty for your sin. It's a change of mind about how it's received. That it's Jesus plus my good works. It's something that I earn. No, It's a change of mind and a believing in and only in Jesus. That's the gospel. A believing in and only in. Not anything added to it. Not Jesus plus 
a moral life, not Jesus plus read your Bible, not just Jesus plus begin to pray. It's that I change my mind about how I think I can restore relationship with God, and I believe it's only through Jesus. That's what we're delivering. So I doubt this has ever happened to you, but imagine with me. Someone shows up at your door, ring your doorbell, you go to it, totally unaware, and they go, hey, I got a free pizza for you. And you go, "Uh, I I didn't call one. It's a free pizza for you. What do you say in that moment? (laughs) You may go, but I'm not hungry, and close the door. Or you may go, I'm hungry, but I got my own food to eat, and you close the door. Or you may go, wow, I am hungry. But did you say it's free? Because I don't really think anything is free. And you're suspicious, and you close the door. Or you may think, "Uh, man, I'm hungry, and that smells really good, but I have no idea where that's been and who you are. So I'm out of here. I'll eat my own stuff. And close the door. Or you may go, man, that's a good looking pizza. But no one would buy me one. So you close the door. Or you may go, "Uh, if I take that from you, then I'm going to feel indebted to you. And so I'd love it, but... I want to stay independent and close the door. I paint that picture for you because I am genuinely, literally offering to you this morning something much better than pizza. It's the super supreme extra meat lovers. (laughs) Now, it's something infinitely more valuable than pizza. And I'm standing in front of you like that guy in your door and say... Uh, God loves you, and he's paid your penalty, and he offers it to you for free. And there's a moment where right now, this morning, you're either going to close the door and go, no thanks, or I don't want to be indebted, or I can't accept a gift, or uh, I'll take control of my own life. I don't know where that's been. Or God couldn't love me, or God couldn't forgive me, or I got my own life. I don't need that. And you close the door. Or, or maybe this morning, because I remember this. I remember when I heard the words, heard the words, heard the words, and then one time I heard the words of the gospel, and it was like, you know what I'm talking about? It was like God was talking to me. And these weren't just words, and I couldn't get away from it. And I believed, and I received. Maybe that's where you are this morning. You may have heard this before, but never received it. You may have grown up with it. There may have been gospel in your house as much as pizza, but you've never received it for yourself personally. And this This morning, very simply, I've declared it to you in the power of the Spirit. 
and the Lord may be speaking to you personally. He may be turning on the light for you. And I want to invite you to believe, to repent, to change your mind about what you have been living for and what you've been trusting in, and to believe in Jesus. As you sense God speaking to you, I want those of you who know that you know Christ lives in you to be praying that God would be turning on the light for others as he did for you. Would you ask him? As we do that, we're going to invite the men to come on up. And they're going to remind us together. They're going to remind us of the elements that tell us about God's love for us in Christ. It's going to be a tray that comes by with a little piece of unleavened bread. If you would, go ahead, give me one, please. It's just going to be a little cracker like this, broken, and a cup. And you guys can go ahead and pass. Uh, This is the reminder of what Jesus has done for us in his death and resurrection, that he has paid our penalty so that we can be forgiven past, present, and future. I want this to be clear. So you listening, please? We're not saved by taking these. These are the reminder of the person and the only person through whom we can be saved. So we take in remembrance of our Savior, Jesus. As they're passing, Matt's going to lead us through a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And as he does, I simply want to invite any of you who have never received from God the offer of forgiveness and new life. You know you need it, but you've never received it, that you would consider God, I want to respond to you today. I'm going to lead you in a moment, but let's remember what Jesus has done for us. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, Child of March and pray, find in me thy all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. scripture or if we would do kind of a call and response so when you see prompted the congregation would you join me and let's read it out loud together for while we were still helpless at the right time Christ died for the ungodly for one will hardly die for a righteous man though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us
since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. elements remind us Jesus has paid our penalty for us and offered it to us as a free gift. Some of you prior to this morning have received it and you've experienced forgiveness and new life, but some maybe you never have. And I want to invite you right now there in the quietness of your seat. Would you receive God's free gift by simply declaring to him, God, I confess I'm a sinner. I admit I deserve your wrath and your condemnation. I deserve death. But I believe in your son. I believe his death paid my penalty. I believe he was raised so that I could walk in newness of life. I can't earn life. I receive it as your gift to me through Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your work in turning the light on in our hearts. In gratitude for your grace and your provision for us, we take now in remembrance of you. Would you take with me? Believing in Jesus is a a defining moment. It sets a a line in our life from who we once were to new life in Jesus. I can remember when I hearing, believed, and received. So I simply want to give a, a simple invitation this morning. If you heard and believed for the first time, 
This might take courage, but I want to invite you to just stand and declare really by your standing that this morning you have believed and received Jesus' free gift of forgiveness and new life. Whether you're here in north, over in south, if you have believed this morning, would you stand and we would rejoice with you in your receiving of God's free gift. It is a great joy that we have with new life in Jesus. Let's stand together and let's all declare with one voice our praise to him, our Savior. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Jesus. Lord Jesus, we do rejoice in you our forgiver and our leader, that we might have new life and new purpose and new joy and new peace in relationship with you. And Lord, the privilege of the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that as we as your children go out from here this morning, we would do so courageous to speak the gospel, to put it in words and the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting that you who turned on the light for us, would do it for others. Thank you for your resurrection power within us. We go believing in that to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's declare this together. with you. Just take one of those cards in the seat back, put your name and information. Let us know how we can help you answer any questions, walk alongside you. We really be our joy to do that. I hope you will have a wonderful day today in the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a blessed one. See you next time.